Our scripture lesson this morning is going to come out of the book of Romans. Very first chapter, very first verses. We at First EPC believe that the Bible is God's truth. It's living. It's active. It's uniquely and fully inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is the only infallible way of faith and practice. So we need to know what it says. Hear God's word out of Paul's letter to the Romans. Let me read from first chapter, verses 1 through 7. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God, called to be saints, grace to you, and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray a moment. Father, we pray that you would truly open our hearts to hear your word to us. It's a letter, Lord, right to our heart. By the power and grace of your Holy Spirit, Lord, write it plainly. Help us to understand and allow us, Lord, to be changed just a little bit more into the people of God, the church of God, that you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All of us have a purpose, a reason, a reason you're here, a reason you're here this morning. You know, there are no accidents in God's kingdom. We believe in a sovereign God. We believe he controls every little thing, everyone, everything, the good, the bad. He is sovereign over everything. And sometimes the larger purpose of God gets gets lost amid the clamor of essential needs, of those tyrannies of the urgent that come our way. But we have to remember we, we each have a purpose. Every one of us. We have a purpose as a church, as a body. A purpose that hopefully will fit into God's will. We have a God-ordained purpose. And one of the key, key moments in, in life <laughs> is when we recognize our purpose 
and God's purpose for our life. And when we recognize that those purposes need to be the same. Many of us have probably experienced having a purpose in our own life and not being in sync with God's purpose in our life. Running in contrary directions or not exactly parallel and together. It's when they are the same that we find joy. It's when we when they are the same, that we find that peace that's beyond understanding, that makes no sense in the world we live in. It's, it's when they're the same that we, we use one of those golf terms, we're in the sweet spot of life. And Jesus certainly recognized this, and he recognized that he was on this earth for a purpose. He knew that. He understood what his purpose was. We, we hear him responding to Pilate. When Pilate was questioning him in in John 18, and he said, Jesus said, you say, Pilate, that I'm a king. And then he went on and he said, for this purpose I was born. And for this purpose I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Jesus understood his purpose. And everything he did took direction from that focus to bear witness on the truth of God. Who God was. Why God was in our world messing with us. Why God even cared. What the love of God looked like. Felt like. Jesus understood his purpose. From the text this morning, we can see that, that Paul's life was also a purpose-driven life. And, and Paul had, a, had an understanding, a grasp on, on what his purpose was, too. He was consumed with the idea of, of spreading the gospel, sharing the gospel wherever he could go, of planting new churches, of reaching Gentiles, the nations, as he would call them, reaching those who were non-Jew as well as Jew. Teaching new believers, training church leaders. We read these letters of Paul, and that's what it's all about. That's what he did. This was his all-consuming passion. His all-consuming purpose. It was the reason God had him on this earth. (laughs) And that's why Paul could, could say such things as, I count it all joy when I'm persecuted, when I'm being just beaten and shipwrecked and all those other things that Paul went through, he counted it all as joy because he knew it was a part of fulfilling the purpose. The purpose far outweighed the difficulties along the way. It was Paul's assurance, if you would, of peace and great joy in the midst of any circumstance because he knew why he was here. He knew. This morning, I want us to reflect on our purpose. Why are we here? Why are we here? Why are you here? Why did you come here today? Why are you a member of of, of First Evangelical Presbyterian Church? Why be here? Why be here? Why are you a guest? Why would you ever want to to become a part or a member of, of, of of this body, this particular part of of Christ's kingdom. 
Why does God have us here? I want you to think about that purpose. And I want you to think about what that purpose says about us. How it would shape you and how it would shape the specific work, the specific purpose that God would have for you. I want you to think about it, like I said, as an individual. and I want us to think about it as a, as a church. God has called us, this group of believers, this little part of the body of Christ. And that God is, is here in Roanoke. He's here in this church. Let's hear what this little text says. How did Paul deal with this? Well, the first and foremost thing Paul, Paul did is he talked about his purpose and it described who he was. It described who he was. It describes who we are. It becomes sort of our identity, this purpose. Now look at, look at how it worked for Paul. Ancient letters always began just simply, usually, with the name of the author. Stated in the name who the author was. Oh, but not Paul's letters. None of his letters did that. All the letters of Paul, including his letter to the Romans, it began with three descriptive words. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. That's how Paul identified himself. That's how Paul identified A servant called and set apart. Paul was saying, I'm a slave. I'm a slave. And, that, and that's a much better word. It's, it's the Greek word doulos. It's what it means, slave. Some of the versions, NIV, I think, once, put, they put bond servant in there. We're trying to soften it. Paul was a captured slave. He had, he had no voice of his own in that, in that relationship. He did nothing to bring about that relationship. He was a slave, totally owned, totally controlled by his master. That's how he saw his purpose, his identity. That's who he was. That's who we need to be as well. We're not our own. The Bible says we are bought with a price. Think about that, bought with a price. We were on the auction block, bought with a price. God bought us. God bought us to be his own. We're his slaves. We're his slaves. Not, not just a household servant that goes home to our own home at the end of the day. Not just one of those people that, that, that can, well, I'll be in work today or I'll come in work tomorrow whenever I feel like I want to go to work. Well, no. <laughs> slaves don't do that. Slaves don't do that. We honor our master in every way we can. His purpose becomes our purpose. Paul next said he was called. Chosen, if you would, by God. By his master. And he was chosen for a specific task. And Paul was getting a grasp on that ta task. Did you see, Paul didn't look for Jesus on the Damascus Road. He, he wasn't trotting along there just thinking... Oh, where's Jesus? Maybe he's around that next tree, or maybe he's over on over the horizon here. He wasn't looking for Jesus. 
Jesus was looking for Paul. You remember the story. You know how it goes. And Jesus found Paul. Your life story and my life story isn't about living according to our own whim and our own aspirations. It's about fulfilling God's purpose. The third identifier that Paul used was set apart. Set apart. Ordained, if you would. Every one of us. Ordained, set apart for the gospel of God. In Galatians 1.5, Paul says that God set me apart from birth and called me by His grace. It's like being a tool for, for one specific purpose. That unique tool. We know all about going into the world and making disciples. We, we hear that and we, we say, okay, sure, that's our call. But, but it's much more than that and it's much more specific. Oh, that's way too general. That's the overarching purpose of God, if you would. But for a moment, let us focus on one area. Let us think about just a, a small part of maybe where God has gifted you. Where God has, has made you sort of unique. Unique for His purpose. And you know, we sometimes think of that as, oh gee, I'm, I'm stellar in something. I can, I can really do this. I can, I, can play, I can play bells, you know, like this handbell choir. Or I can sing. Or I can play the organ. I can play the piano. We, we think we have to have those, those gifts, and, and those are beautiful, beautiful gifts. But let me tell you, I don't have any of those. They aren't my gifts. They may not be your gifts. You may be good at, at, at just loving on people. You may be good at, at meeting new people. You may be good at, at, at just sharing or teaching or any number of things. Or it might not be something big and grand. You may be a person who has maybe a special need, maybe a physical disability even. Or pray tell, we might be old. You might be an old person. Or you might come along and say, I'm too young. You're uniquely made, though. Can, I want you to see that. Because we old folks, can, we can get at places where some young folks can't go. And young folks can get where we can't go. How has God uniquely fashioned you? No mistakes in his kingdom. He's, he's fashioned you for his purpose. For his purpose. You're his tool, if you would. You're his tool. Can you see how God has shaped you for something particular? As a part of his bigger plan. Your influence. Your circle of friends. Your particular abilities. Things you already enjoy doing, probably. But which can be focused on His plan and focused into His kingdom. To do anything else less with our life is, is, is to fail, really. It's to miss out for sure on God's best. Our purpose describes who we are. It is our identity. These are the gifts that I have. This is what I can do. As a servant, called, set-apart follower of Jesus Christ. The second thing I want you to see out of this is, is to see that our God-ordained purpose 
defines what we care about. What we care about. Look at, look at this. Set apart for the gospel of God, Paul says there in verse 1 and 2. Set apart for the gospel of God, which he, God, promised beforehand. In other words, it's been ordained a long time here. It's part of God's purpose in our life. God knows us before we were ever anything. Remember that. It's kind of a unique thought. That before the foundation of the world, there was Jesus, but before the foundation of the world, you were too. You were part of God's plan and purpose. Promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures and concerning his son, who Jesus was. His son, which is, which is the, the second of the Trinity. We've been learning that in one of the Sunday school classes. The second person. And his son comes to execute part of God's redemptive plan. Not a plan that began with the fall, but a plan that began with creation. One of the things that Paul cared about most could best be described as the big picture. Paul had a big view of God's purpose. And he recognized, he recognized that the gospel of Jesus Christ was God's plan for the ages. That the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection, ascension of Jesus, God, was his plan to, to bring his creation back into, back into the fold, to defeat sin, to make the kingdom of heaven a reality. And Paul knew that his purpose was all about getting plugged into that plan. And that was what he did. That was his ambition. You know, he was a crazy man for that. Once God turned him around, he was, he was wild. I mean, he did, he did really wild stuff. You read him again. Read Acts. Just, just read about Paul. And read about his life and the things he did. And, and he would get up, left for dead, and go right back into the town that just stoned him. Not, you know, not what I would think is a bright move. God's purpose and the drive and the desire and the ambition of Paul to, to be so much doing what he knew God called him to do. He cared. He cared. Spend your years on this earth in God's plan and you have spent them for an eternity. And that's a key truth. Some people, you know, want to merely build a life for themselves. You know, have a decent job, nice home, put away a little nest egg for retirement, and then die. And we, we see that. I mean, isn't that what we call the American dream, right? That, that's, that's it. That's enough. They think they're, 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 they're living life to the fullest. But you see, the focus is totally on themselves. Totally on themselves. And, and Paul became in... Influenced by something much bigger than that. Paul believed that there was, there was more to life than just doing that. He was real good at doing what he did, persecuting Christians. He was a zealot. But then he realized there was something bigger than that. Something of truth. And God turned him around. Paul believed 
in a new truth. The idea of not just changing things for the Jewish religion, not just purifying wayward Christians. Paul changed his total vision to, to doing something about changing eternity. Changing eternity. He saw how his work was connected to God's big picture. You know, and everything we do, everything we do as a church, everything we do as individuals needs to be focused on changing eternity. That whole thing about uh, you can give a man a fish, you can solve that hunger problem for today, but if you teach him how to fish, you solve it for as long as he can fish. If I share love with someone, I care about them, I comfort them, and I offer them some assurance, I maybe have ministered to that moment, but if I can somehow introduce them to Jesus Christ, or put in their mind that there is a world bigger than where they are, that God loves them, God loves them, not just me, God, then I've changed eternity. You see that? Oh, too many of us are settling for second best. Settling for second best. And we're not shaping our world for eternity. We're just trying to shape it today from one crisis to another. Consider that your job might be a gift from God so that you can accomplish the purpose of God. Living openly as a follower of Christ. Being able to timely share His love and His grace with those around you. Having resources to, fin to, to financially support your family. And, and maybe a little left over. You know, having the time and the money to support God's purposes beyond what you can individually do. That's why you have a job. You thought it was to put away for that rainy day and that retirement. That's not the real purpose. Paul recognized that so, so clearly. And so did Jesus. And so did Jesus. Paul made tents. He was a tent maker. His work was not who he was. It was a means to accomplish God's purpose. And, and so often in the world you and I live in, and especially our world, our culture here, it, it's a me-first life. Almost everything we do is, is focused around family and focused around job. And let me tell you, family is not first. Oh, I believe in family, and I, we, we have desecrated the family greatly in our culture. God is first. And God must always be first. Certainly are not our job. Think about it. You know, in, in our world, God pretty much gets the leftovers, doesn't he? Just think about that. I was in a church some years ago, and they had decorated the pastor's office, of course, and there was, a, there was a couch in that office. It should have been in a circus. I mean, it was a terrible, terrible looking thing. 
But somebody had given it to the church. Now, they didn't go down to the store and, and buy that couch and give it to the church. Oh, no, that church probably wasn't, hadn't been in their living room. It might have started out there, then it moved to the den, then it moved to the basement, and then it moved to the church. And it showed up in the pastor's office. We moved it. Kept it real quick. Moved it back into another little room that wasn't a little storage room. But it, you know, we do that. I, I, I can, I've done that. I, I keep going the leftovers. Not the first fruits. Not the first fruits. Leftover time. Leftover money. Leftover energy. That's because our focus is inward. And not on Him. Not on Him. As a servant called, set apart follower of Jesus Christ, everything, everything we are and everything we have needs to find a new purpose. A new purpose. Feeding the hungry, helping the poor, sharing with our neighbor, our job, even school. Everything we care about, everything we do. It's about eternity. The big picture. Paul had that. Paul had that. And we have too. Let me also add, your God-ordained purpose inspires you to consider new possibilities. And we call it, in our world, we call it thinking out of the box. <laughs> thinking about new possibilities. Maybe it's not that far out of the box. Maybe just, you're just thinking about something that, gee, I haven't done that before. Might be a good idea. Might work. Who knows? Throw it out there. Let's see. Let's see. We need to expand our vision. We need to expand our sense of possibility. Broaden our horizons. Look at verse 5. Paul tells us what his intentions are. We have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. Paul was going after every Gentile out there. He wasn't just picking a few. He wasn't trying to just grab the low-hanging fruit. He was going for everybody. He was going for everybody with this gospel message. His intention, his objective, was to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to every Gentile there was, to all the nations, to every unbeliever. That was his focus. That was his God-ordained purpose. And when Paul wrote this letter, he was in the city of Corinth. And from there, he planned to go to, this, to Jerusalem to deliver some, some uh, uh, money that he had collected for the people in, in, in Jerusalem. And, and from there, from Jerusalem, he intended to go to Rome. Now, and from Rome, he intended to go to Spain. He intended to go to Europe, up in Europe. And Paul was going to, Paul had great visions. Now, we know from the Bible that he didn't make all that. It didn't all happen just like Paul thought. But Paul, that was Paul's heart. That was his purpose. He felt like it was his purpose. I mean, in some of those ways, his purpose and God's purpose were a little bit divergent, but they were generally in the same direction. And you know whose purpose won out. It's always going to be God's. It's always going to be God's. But Paul made such an impact on the world he lived in and on our world. Look at, look at Paul. He wrote most of the Bible. Most of the New Testament was Paul. It was Paul. You know, Paul thought in his mind Rome would be an ideal base for reaching Europe and, and expanding this, this ministry of the gospel further and further and further. 
And it would have been. And indeed, it was. But not for Paul. Paul was always thinking ahead. He was always looking to the future. What can I do next? What can I do next? Where should I go next? How can I reach more people? How can I accomplish this mission? You know, when you focus on your God-ordained purpose, it, it does that for you. It, it fuels your imagination. I mean, think about, think about your life. How can you, how can you influence more people? Who, who can you touch? Who, who is maybe somebody that's already in your life? You bump into them all the time at work or school or just at the grocery store, anywhere. You bump into You know they have need. Maybe they've shared that with you. What's your purpose? Here we are, a church planted in, in, in southwest Roanoke. We're getting gobbled up by the medical complex over here. But we still have a good high bell tower, and we still shine out a little bit. And we've got a tremendous potential for ministry here. Tremendous. How can we do that? How can we just let our imagination just go crazy? How can, how can we be this imprint of God right in this place? You know, he's given us a magnificent facility. Oh, it needs a little tweaking here and there, no doubt. Needs a paint job here and there, you know. Need to fix a couple of leaks around that keep on cropping up. That's, that's our pleasure. That's our privilege. But look at how it looks. I mean, to the community, the people that drive by. God lives there. At least they think so. And we can make it be so. By the things we do and the things we say, who we are, oh yeah. Church is not a building, it's the people. But we have so much potential here. So many possibilities. You know, several years ago there was a fellow you've heard of named Rick Warren. He started a church in California, Saddleback Community Church. You'd have thought that had been enough because it was a very successful church. Lots of people, tons of people. But this guy, he began hosting pastors' conferences. Pretty soon, they were training thousands of church leaders all across the country, even around the world. Well, you think that might be enough? Oh, no. His imagination was still going. How could, how could he broaden this ministry? And so he took the core content of a whole bunch of his messages and he put them in a book. It's called The Purpose Driven Life. You may have read it. Sold over 60 million, 70 million copies. So a lot of people have read it. Made this man rich. Beyond his wildest dreams. He could have retired. He could have gone off and got him a little place in Tahiti and, you know, just praise God out there on the beach or whatever. But instead, another idea comes into his mind. And, and he said, what if I took all this money and I spend it on the poorest nations in the world. Spreading the gospel, building churches, training, offering clinics, medical clinics, training pastors, teachers, leaders, influencing them for the gospel of Jesus Christ. What if I did that? What would happen then? You know, he was literally trying to change the world. Just exactly what Paul was doing. Just exactly what God's calling us to do as well. We send out shoeboxes. Why do we send out shoeboxes? We're trying to change the world. We're trying to put our little, our little piece into that puzzle, that vast puzzle of the plan of God. You know, 
Warren was interviewed by, by Fox News some years ago, not many, and, and the interviewer looked at him and he said, do you really think that it's possible to change the world? That one man or one church or one ministry could, could heal the hurts of the world? And Rick's reply, he, said, he looked at him and he said, it does seem kind of outlandish, doesn't it? You know, when you say it out loud, you say, oh, I don't know, it, does, it sounds wild. It does. But then he summed up his philosophy by saying that there were four words he wanted printed on his tombstone. At least he tried. At least he tried. That's what defining your God-ordained purpose does to you. It inspires you to try. It drives your imagination. It drives your sense of hope. It drives your sense of possibility. It causes you to consider things that you probably never would have thought about before instead of just complaining about what isn't. Where has God called you? That's the question this morning. Where has God called our church? What's the purpose of First Evangelical Presbyterian Church? God has purpose. And you and I are called to that purpose, whether we know it or not. God has a purpose that focuses on eternity, not just what's around us. God has a purpose that's focusing on the lost, and they are all around us. God has a purpose of building a kingdom, not a congregation. God has a purpose for us to be His light of truth. You know, most of us agree that, that we have gifts, that we have talents, we have abilities. And we certainly agree with Paul that we are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, or we probably wouldn't be here this morning. But are we ready? Are we ready to take responsibility for answering that call? May not be glamorous. May not be prestigious. But it is God's call. There is a reason that you are here. Look around. What is God doing among us and with us? What does God want to do even more with our life? What are the needs we see? Spiritual needs. Physical needs. What is your God-ordained area of service? Once you found it, then let that begin to define you. Focus on Him. Focus on His purpose. And let that influence the way you think, the way you act, what you care about. Let, let that ignite your imagination and, and spark creativity. Let's do something different. Let's do something new. Let's maybe redo something that has worked in the past or reinvigorate something that's working now. Let it become your all-consuming passion. Passion. 
Because there is a reason that every one of us are here. There is a reason that this church is here. And if we follow the journey God has laid out for us, if we follow that journey, it's going to yield a path of blessing and joy beyond anything we have ever known. Guaranteed. So let us make that journey to the praise, as Paul said, of His glorious grace. Let's pray together.